We're going to be uh, uh, looking at God's Word. So uh, if you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, uh, please flip them to James. If you're joining us uh, for the first time, we've been going through a sermon series on the book of James on how Christians ought to live our lives uh, in a manner of speaking. So uh, let's uh, look at uh, the third chapter of James. So James chapter 3, verses 13 to 18. James chapter 3, 13 to 18. Bear with me. All right, let me read and please follow along. And I read from the English Standard Version. Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist... There will be disorder in every vile practice, but the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere, and a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. This is the word of the Lord. you. Thanks, Daniel. And again, uh, good to see everyone. Uh, yeah, the weather's gloomy. COVID's coming back. <laughs> so it's good to see everyone uh, make it uh, to church. And, you know, if you're at home, um, it's good to have you as well. Uh, you know, I've heard throughout this week, you know, people are starting to kind of get COVID from here and there. And so if you know anyone who, who's uh, at home sick, um, please do pray for them um, and remember them uh, as well. Now, as we've seen uh, in James chapter 3, the topic for today is uh, on surrounding this word called wisdom. Uh, wisdom. We, we, we all want to be wise. Uh, we kind of understand that this is something important. And when you look at the Bible, uh, the Bible talks a lot about wisdom, about its importance, about how Christians should pursue wisdom and where we might find it. Right? For example, uh, we're going to go to Proverbs chapter 3. And in Proverbs chapter 3, it says this. Blessed is the one who finds wisdom. Right? So if you can find wisdom, you are a blessed person. Proverbs 8, it says, For wisdom is better than jewels, and all that you may desire cannot compare with her. Proverbs 16 says, How much better to get wisdom than gold? Right? To get understanding is to be, chose, is to be chosen rather than silver. Right? Is that the way you think? That if you could choose between a pot of gold... And a pot of wisdom, you'd be like, that's, that's the one. But that's what the Bible says. That's how important wisdom is in our lives. Our Proverbs chapter 4, the beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom, and whatever you get, get insight. But the first step for the wise is that they know that they need wisdom. Right? The wise person knows that wisdom matters. 
And then in James, we saw in chapter 1, James had already said, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. And so here it is, wisdom. That's the topic for today. Very important. More precious than jewels or gold. Uh, If it is this important, though, the question is, what is it? What is wisdom? And where might we find it? Now, I don't know about you, but when I imagine wisdom, the first thing that comes to mind is like a person traveling very far to like some remote location, maybe at the top of a mountain, and there's like a little hut there, and they knock on the door, and out comes this old person who never meets anyone, and they sit down, and they say, look, they, they say some cool one-liner, and this person's like, I'm wise now, I get it, and then they go back home, right? I know that's what I think. I think of Doctor Strange. He's traveling to Kathmandu. He's trying to find, uh, what's it called, a kamataj, right? He's like searching for, for some sort of knowledge. And he finally finds the ancient one, right? And she opens up his eyes right, to knowledge and what's going on in other dimensions. Right? Is that what wisdom is, right? Luke Skywalker meeting Yoda and, you know, gaining wisdom. Is wisdom this mysterious secret knowledge that if only we were to unlock Right, if we were to find it somewhere far away from some person in the middle of nowhere, that if we were to gain this knowledge, that everything would make sense. Right, is that what wisdom is? Right, James is going to explain what wisdom really is to us today. He's going to first define it. Verse 13, he says, Who is wise and understanding among you? And this is really a challenge. He's calling out the people in the church who thought they were wise. People who thought they were understanding. And he's saying, hey, who here thinks they're wise? Put your hand up. Who here thinks they understand? Put your hand up. Because I'm going to challenge you. Right, verse 13. Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. Right, by his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. Now, before I get to talk about what James says, I want to point out what he doesn't say. James doesn't define wisdom as something to do with knowledge, with intellect, with information. James doesn't say, how much doctrine do you know? How good is your theology? How much of the Bible have you read? Can you you understand the Greek and the Hebrew? Well, if you can, then you are wise. That's not what James says. James doesn't relate wisdom with knowledge. And they are related But the reason why he does this is because in the church at the time, the people that he's challenging, the wise, the people who think they understand, they thought that wisdom equated with knowledge. The person that was wise in church was a person who knew more than other people. Maybe it was the person who knew the secrets, the mysteries that other people don't know, and I know things that you don't know, and that makes me much wiser than you. And then they thought that they were much better than other people. And we know that that kind of thinking is going to lead to division, it's going to lead to pride, it's going to lead to silos in the church. And this idea that wisdom is knowledge, I think it's, it's embedded into us as well. I think we are a generation and a culture that strives after knowledge. And knowledge is very important. We, we grow up, I don't know about you, but you know, I think for a lot of us in this demographic, we were raised... Uh, from our parents kind of being drilled into, you need to know, 
You need to do well in school. You need to study hard, 100%, you know, number one, first place, and second's no good, but you've got to be first. And I, I think I came from a good place because our parents came here and they didn't know much. They didn't know the language. They didn't know how Australia and Sydney worked. And so they wanted the best for us, and so they pushed knowledge. And so all throughout school, we're learning, and we're trying to do our best in exams. And when you get to HSC, it's like the biggest thing in the world. And the HSC is going to determine everything in your life, right? Your place in the family and whether you stay there or, you know, the way that the world's going to judge you. Your knowledge and how you do in the HSC is everything. Right? That's, that's what, kind of what it felt like. And, you know, I'm not saying my parents were, were bad, but you know, that's the kind of feeling that I got. And I don't know if that's how you feel. And even in the church, it feels like knowledge is that most important thing. That to be revered and looked up to in the church is to have knowledge, to be able to sit through Bible studies and give the right answer, or the impressive one-liner, and people are like, oh, that's deep, and you're like, yes, that's it, I'm wise. Right? To be able to know Bible trivia or read a lot of books. And let me be clear, I'm not saying knowledge is bad. Knowledge is very important. But what James is saying is that knowledge is not wisdom. In fact, knowledge is not the goal. What we're going to find is that knowledge is the means to get to a much more important goal. It's the means to get to wisdom. And so let's look at what wisdom is. James says, by his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. Biblically, wisdom is knowledge appropriately applied. It starts with knowledge, but it doesn't stop there. It takes knowledge and understands the situation you're in and applies it. And then comes to the right decisions. It makes the right calls. But if you just stop at knowledge and it doesn't show up in your life, then you're not a wise person. You can have a lot of knowledge, but if it's not shaping your daily decisions, it's not shaping your conduct, it's not shaping the way that you live, then you're not a wise person. And knowledge takes, wisdom takes knowledge and applies it into your life. So if knowledge is what you know, wisdom is knowing what to do with what you know and taking what you know and bringing it into your life in the right way. If you look at the Bible, Proverbs uh, is a book all about wisdom. And Proverbs chapter 2 says, The Lord gives wisdom, from his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. Now we see two things here. Wisdom and knowledge are related but also, wisdom and knowledge are not the same. Right? There's a relationship there, but he differentiates between wisdom and knowledge. And then if you go to verse 20, the result of wisdom is this, that you will walk in the way of the good and keep to the paths of the righteous. You see, it's not enough to just know the Bible or know what God says or know what God wants from us. It needs to be applied to life. It needs to show up. It needs to change the way we live. And that's why James talks about conduct and works, because wisdom should show up, right? The knowledge should show up. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 7, everyone then who hears these words of mine, right, that's knowledge. You sit here, you hear the Bible, you hear the words of Christ, and you go, oh, that's inf interesting information. But not just here, he says, everyone who hears these words of mine and does them right, will be like a wise man. Right? It's knowledge applied appropriately into your present day life. Wisdom is when we take all that we know and we look at the life in front of us and the decisions we've got to make and it shapes it 
so that we make the right choices. If I put it into an analogy, knowledge is the ability to know how to drive a car, right? The mechanics, like this is, this is the, the indicator, this is the windscreen, it turns on the lights, right? This is drive, reverse, and you understand what's going on. The information makes sense. Wisdom then is the person taking that knowledge and applying it as they drive. And all of the things going on in front of them, making the right choices based on what they know. And then when a car you know, cuts in in front of them, wisdom is in that moment taking all that they know and applying it appropriately in the right way so they make the right choices. Or when you're late to, to a meeting, you take all that information that you know about if I push down on the pedal, I'm going to go really fast. But I also know that there are cops and the speed camera and it's school zone. And you take all of that knowledge and you make the right choice. That's wisdom. Now, sometimes we have all that knowledge we make the wrong choice. And we get caught and we get fined and we lose demerit points. Not wise, even though you knew. Right? So some people know a lot, but doesn't necessarily mean that you are wise. Right? Wisdom takes knowledge and appropriately applies it to our life. So that we will come to the right conclusions. And James's challenge is that we would be wise. Not just a knowledgeable church or a knowledgeable people, not just people with a lot of information, but that we will take it a step further and that that information will show up in our lives. And if you look at the book of James, that's what it's all been about. He's really been calling us to wisdom. Right? A few weeks ago, I talked about how God's word is a mirror. And when you come to God's word, you need to read and remember it. I don't know if you remember, remember it. You've got to read and remember God's word, but then you need to also respond to it. James has constantly been challenging his people to take what they know and live it out. Live it out. Let it show up in your life. Saving faith works. If you have faith, it should show up in your life. He's constantly calling us to wisdom. Right? I've said it like this before. You've got your head, you've got your heart, you've got your hands. And when we come to the Word, it should travel all the way through. Information in our head, leading to conviction in our hearts, leading to transformation in our hands. That whole process. And you can't just stop here and become knowledgeable people. That's not what God wants. That's just not enough. And the reason why this is important is that I think knowledge, it tricks us. That when we know something, it kind of feels like we're actually living it out. I don't know if you've been in that position before. Let me give you a story. Um, you know, over the years I've been in, um, I guess, pastoral ministry, I've had a few opportunities where I'd sit down with someone who's preaching for the first time. Like, they're scared and they don't know what to do. And I'd be like, okay, this is what I did. And I'd give them some pointers, like some suggestions of experience. And I'd give them, you know, the, the godly things like make sure you pray and read the word and, you know, let God speak to you so he'll speak through you and all that stuff. But then I'd also give them some practical stuff. And what I always say is make sure you record yourself. I record yourself because you don't know what you sound like until you hear it. You know, sometimes you talk really fast and you don't know. Sometimes you're, you're just monotone and, you know, da-da-da. And sometimes um, you say um, a lot of arms and you don't um, know that you do arm um, that. And you've got to hear yourself. And I say even better than that, record yourself on video. Because, you know, when you preach, you have no idea what your arms are doing because you're focusing so much on what you're saying that your arms are doing all this stuff. Right? So you're going to see what your arms are doing by watching yourself. Right? So that's what I tell them. 
And I remember one day I spoke to a person and I said all this stuff and I left feeling so wise. I like the source of knowledge and I'd given it to this person and I'd bestowed upon them wisdom, I thought. And I left like so proud. And then it struck me. All those things I had told them, I had not done for years. I had not heard myself speak for years and for all I know, I'm very monotone. Actually, I know that. I've been told that. I might um being saying a lot of ums. My hands might like be flailing, flailing around all the time. And in that moment, I realized, man, knowledge is so deceiving. Because I thought I knew it. And because I told them the right things, it felt like I was living it out. It felt like I'd owned that truth. When in reality, it was merely knowledge and it hadn't been lived out in life. And I don't know if you felt that way. You sit in a Bible study and you give us this great answer and it feels like you know so much about God or Jesus. And the reality is you haven't actually walked with him for a long time. But just by saying the right things, it's like you're actually living it out. Knowledge can confuse us into thinking that it is enough. But we must go beyond knowledge to wisdom and apply what we know into life. At Kingsway, we don't want to ignore knowledge. Knowledge is very important. The Bible says a lot about what we know, that we need to study, we need to know God, we need to know His Word. I don't want us to misunderstand. Read books. Get a robust theology. Learn more about God. Yes, but at the same time, our goal is not knowledge. It's a means to wisdom. We don't want to be knowledgeable people. We want to be wise people. And that's what God calls us to. You know, I think we all here understand or know about heaven and hell. We know the concepts of this idea that there is an eternal place that people are going to go to. It's going to be either with God in eternity, right, in the new heavens and new earth, or it's in hell, in eternal torment without God. And I think this is an example of something we all know. But wisdom takes that and it shows up in life. The person who is wise takes that truth and it shapes every decision they make on earth. Because they know that this moment is short and my life is not made for here, but for eternity. And my home is not here, it's there. And that ability to take what we know and for it to really be applied appropriately into life, that is wisdom. It shapes the way we speak to people or we relate to people because we know that at the end of the day, there's eternity for them and for us. And every soul is immortal. I'm going to end in one of those two places. That's what wisdom does. It, sh it shows up there. Now, we all know heaven and hell, but are we wise in the way that we apply it into life? That's wisdom. That's how James in the Bible defines wisdom. Knowledge appropriately applied. But James goes on and he defines godly wisdom. Right, this is my second and last point today. James here goes on to further distinguish what godly wisdom is compared to demonic wisdom. So what's the difference? Verse 13. Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. That's the qualifier. Meekness. What differentiates 
of all the wise people, those that have godly wisdom and what he'll call demonic wisdom is humility. It's meekness. Meekness, by the way, is, is not uh, thinking less of yourself. You might have heard this. Meekness is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. So humility is not me being like, oh, I'm horrible. Oh, I'm not good at anything. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm bad, I'm bad. That, that's, not, that's not meekness. That's thinking less of yourself. Wait, wait, thinking of yourself less. Meekness is thinking, wait. <laughs> this is like that apple and orange analogy. Meekness is not thinking less of yourself, like putting yourself down. It's me just not being so consumed by myself, being so self-centered, right? making it all about me. It's really the freedom of self-forgetfulness. That's how Tim Keller calls it. It's the ability to be forgetful of myself so that I can think about you and serve you, you know, and help you. And James says that is the quality that we must have for our wisdom to be a godly wisdom. And then he goes on in verse 14 to talk about demonic wisdom. He says, if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not be first, uh, boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but it is earthly and spiritual demonic. James says this kind of wisdom in verse 14 to 15 is earthly and spiritual demonic. He's, he's escalating each of those words. It's getting more stronger and getting worse. And he's repeating this just to make a point of how bad it is. It's earthly rather than heavenly. It's unspiritual rather than from the spirit of God. It's demonic, right? It's of the devil, not from God, right? He's just pushing this point. And this demonic wisdom, he describes, is of bitter jealousy and selfish ambition. Now, when you think about these two words, these are the product of the person who is not meek. The person who is prideful and self-centered is the person who will get jealous because I'm thinking about me and what I deserve and what I should get, and you got that, but I deserve it. It's the person who is so self-centered that what I want is what I need, and so they're driven by selfish ambition. But the meek person, the humble person, won't relate to people in jealousy and be driven by what they need, but are free of themselves to serve other people. Right? So that's the contrast. You need humility. And if you don't, the wisdom that you have is demonic. And, you know, as I was reading this, I don't know about you, but I was like, why? Why humility? Wisdom's good, we get that, I think. We all understand that we want to take our knowledge and let it show up in our lives. You don't have to be Christian to say, I want to be wise. But then why is humility so important after that? Why is humility, out of all the things that's going to differentiate godly wisdom from demonic wisdom, why is it meekness and humility? And this is where I landed. Two reasons. Number one, because wisdom without meekness is normal. In the world that we live in, it's rare to find both a person that has wisdom and is humble. They don't tend to go together. It's unnatural. Now, if you have an unwise person, let's say a foolish person, kind of by nature they're humbled because they lack knowledge or they've made bad decisions, they, they failed a lot. Kind of that has humbled them in a sense. But the wise person, to also be humbled, that, that, that's tough. When you think about your workplace, 
The wise person, like in an earthly way, in terms of your workplace, they're probably the person getting promoted. They're the person climbing the ladder. They're the team leader, the VP, maybe the CEO. Because wisdom is, again, they have knowledge. Right? They know things maybe that other people don't know. But not only do they know, but they take that knowledge and they're able to apply it appropriately into their situation. So the wise person is a person that takes what they know and they see a problem at work and they're able to solve it. Or you have goals, but in their wisdom, they know the right path to take to get to the goal. They're able to understand what's going on with discernment and make the right choices. So the wise person is really the successful person. They know a lot, they succeed a lot. And when you think about people at work, maybe, who are in that position, humility doesn't tend to always go together with that. In their great knowledge, they often think they're smarter than other people, better than other people. That's a silly question. Why did you ask that? Oh, you guys didn't understand, right? That's pride. And in all of their success, right, it's easy to become prideful. You end up with a wise person, but who is not meek. Prideful, self-exalting, self-centered, self-driven, and not thinking about other people. So not only is wisdom without meekness normal, but on top of that, wisdom without meekness is destructive. And so James pairs meekness with wisdom because they don't tend to go together, but when they're not together, especially in the church, it will bring destruction. There are two ways to destroy a church. One is to fill it with people who, not, who are not wise, who don't know a lot, and maybe they read the Bible, they come to the wrong conclusions, now you've got a cult. Or maybe they make bad decisions, bad financial decisions. They buy a building that they can't afford, and now they're bankrupt. Unwise. You destroy a church. But you can destroy a church by filling it with wise people who aren't meek. Because in their knowledge, again, they become prideful. They look down on other people, other churches. They look down on each other. They build a culture because they, they revere knowledge, a culture of fear, if you don't know enough, or judgment when you do know more than others. In their lack of wisdom, they might, in their wisdom, they, they might succeed. But because they're not humble, they look down on other churches. They're all about ourselves. And they make enemies of other churches. And ultimately, that's not the church that God wants. You might be a successful organization, but at the end of the day, you're not a church that honors God. You know, the workplace, in the workplace, you might be able to do well without meekness. And I think people do. They're smart and they know it, prideful, driven. They kind of trample over other people and climb their way up. And I think that will work sometimes. Maybe you succeed and people don't like you, but that's the cost. But that never works in the church. Prideful people who are hurting other people, not serving, not loving, that never works in the church. James warns us in verse 16, this is the result when you have wisdom without meekness. He says you have jealousy, where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every vile practice. The result is chaos. The result is that the church will die. How many successful churches have placed smart people who've made some good decisions in the past, with a lot of experience, into positions of power, 
only for the church to crumble from the top. I don't know if you've seen that happen in churches. That happens not because the people they put there aren't wise. It happens because the people they put there aren't humble. When you have a bunch of people in power that are wise but aren't meek in the church, it will destroy the church. If you, if you get five, pe- five wise people in a room to make a decision, you're probably going to end up with five different opinions. Because they're wise, and each person's going to come with their own thoughts and their own experience, and this is what worked for me, and this is all the knowledge that I have, and each person's going to present their case. And unless you have meekness in that place, they're not going to leave united. Each person's going to be jealous, and I can't believe you said that about me, and you're saying that I'm wrong, and their ambition for themselves and what they want is driving them, and each person is unwilling to lose, and you've got a church of chaos from the top. And you're going to lead to what James calls disorder and every vile practice. You've got disunity, you've got gossip, you've got slander, you've got betrayal, you've got lawsuits, you've got division. That's not the result of a lack of wisdom, that's the result of a lack of humility. It is so important in the church. Now, if you don't know what I'm talking about, you've never seen a church crumble from the top, well, you're, you're blessed. But I think we see it too often. Meekness is so important. When we look to grow in our wisdom, there's three things that we can do to pursue it. Three things we need to have. I'll just go through these quickly. Number one is the fear of God. And this is where we start with wisdom. Proverbs 9 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. To really start being wise in a biblical Christian sense is to know your place before God. To stand before God and see him in all his beauty, his wonder, his holiness, his majesty. And to understand his place in your world and your place in his. That he's God and I'm not. And only then when those two kind of big building blocks are in place do you begin to see the world as the way it is. Unless you have that, you think you're everything and it's all about you and you're the thing that matters and da-da-da-da, you, you will never get to godly wisdom, right? especially one that's humble. The second thing is we need the Word of God. There's a lot of things we can gain from the world, from secular books, you know, but the Bible says the wisdom of this world is folly with God. There's only so much you can learn from this world. At the end of the day, we need to go to God's Word. His wisdom is different from the way that the world works. And so we go to God's word and we find what he says is important and we apply that into our lives. Psalm 19, it says, The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. God's word makes simple people like us wise as we learn it and as we live it. It's far more important for a Christian to read the Bible as its source of knowledge than to read the news or to read articles or to read books. These, these things aren't bad, but if you want godly Christian wisdom, we need to go to the Word. Right? You can't replace that. And third, we need the ear of God. So the fear of God, the Word of God, the ear of God. James 1.5 If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach. You know, the wisdom of God is ultimately the wisdom from God, right? It's it's from heaven. 
And so we need to be humble enough to know that though I know certain things, I don't know it all. And though I can make some good decisions, I'm going to fail a lot. And so we daily depend on God and we ask him for wisdom. Right? That's what we need. So let me close. I said a lot of stuff. But to summarize, one, knowledge is important. I'm not saying don't learn. We should learn, we should read, we should study. But our goal is not to be knowledgeable people, it's to be wise people. Wisdom is knowledge appropriately applied. It's taking what you know and for that to really show up in life and shape your daily decisions and the way that you live, the things that you say yes and no to. But there's a difference between godly and demonic wisdom, and that is, are you humble? Christian, Kingsway, we need to be wise. We need to be humble. And they don't, they don't tend to go together. We either become foolish and humble, or wise and prideful. But for us to exist as a church, to keep existing as a church, we need to have both. And so we need to be praying for this. God, make me wise. But make me humble. God, make my brother and sister wise, but keep them humble. Pray that for yourself. Pray that for each other. And pray that for your leaders. I want to say one thing before I end. This is really important for us at Kingsway because the way that we've structured our church is an elder model church. And what that means is we don't have one person at the top calling the shots. I'm not like the, I'm not the boss. I don't make the big decisions. I'm not like... This is what's happening, and it happens. Right? There are churches like that, but we believe biblically, right, what's biblical and what's wise is to have a group of men, we call them elders, who make the big decisions of the church. Right? By the third year, at the end of the third year of our existence, we're going to vote in our first elder board. Right? They're going to be a group of men who are going to make these decisions, and they're going to have like a, a tenure. Um, and until that moment, right now, even from the beginning, we've set up a council. We call it the interim council. And that's like a kind of temporary measure until we establish our elder board. And so right now we have two brothers. Uh, we've got me, we've got brother Songsu and brother Thomas. You may know them. And each of us have a vote. And we're going to be this way until third year. But we each have a vote for the big decisions. We come together when there's a big decision to make. We talk, we discuss, we argue. We each have a vote. And then we decide. Right? That's the model our church is going for because we think it's best. Now, Peter and Daniel are in those meetings as well. Uh, They have a voice, but not a vote, because they're part-time pastors. But this model only works when the people in that group are wise and they're humble. Because we argue. And the only way we leave on the same page, with the same spirit, is if we're willing to say, you're smarter, that's a better decision than me. I I was wrong, you're right. This is what I want, but I can see your perspective, and so I'm going to lay it down, etc. And I say that not because we're not humble. <laughs> like, I think we're so blessed to have the people that we have at this church, especially Thomas and Song Su, but because it's, it's hard to, to get both. And just because we have it now doesn't promise that we're going to have it in the future. Five, 10 years, 15, 20 years down the track, you get the wrong people in the positions of power, the church destroys itself. And so we need to be praying. For yourself, for the church, for the pastors, and for the leaders. Keep us humble and keep us wise. Can we pray for that right now? Let's pray.
We're asking God for two things here. God, help me to be wise and apply the things that I know into my life, the things that I've learned in, 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 in church, the answers that I know when we sit in Bible study. Oh, oh, this is what God wants. This is how we should live. This is salvation. This is heaven. This is hell. And for these biblical truths to show up in our lives, in our good conduct and in our works, to shape my everyday, my everyday decisions, my everyday choices, my everyday actions and my words. God, make me a wise person, more than just knowledge, but to apply it appropriately to my life. But God, in my wisdom, keep me humble. Keep me like my Lord Jesus Christ, who was the wisest person who lived and yet also the most humble person who lived. In his wisdom, he did not lord it over other people. He did not consider himself better. He lowered himself, became a man, and he served the world, even dying on the cross for us. Make me like Christ, wise and humble, and make my church, make Kingsway wise and humble. Would you pray for me? Would you pray for the pastors? Would you pray for the interim council? Would you pray for our future elders? You know, that's years down the track, but even now, God, keep us from the top down, wise and humble. Let's make that our prayer, church. Let's pray.